I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. I think I'm going to throw up. Not because the Yankees suck. Not because one of my favorite fighters potentially ended his career this weekend. Not because the NBA Finals. Not because I'm sick. I'm not sick. I just recorded an episode that went an hour. And I'm sure every podcaster has had this issue before. I've had it way too many times. This is not the first time. But I did not have the audio on. So I went to play it all back. Episode 264. And it was all on mute. There was not a sound you could hear. I want to punch walls. I want to kick shit. I want to shoot something. And now I have to record this all over again. So it is 12.55 past morning. Alright, it's 12.55 past midnight. Sorry. So, Sunday night is technically over now. We're heading into Monday morning. Early a.m. As I'm recording. And I have to do this all over again. Oh my gosh. Why me? Why me? There's got to be a way to fix that. That sucks. That really sucks. Um, oh my gosh. Well, up to that point, I had a good weekend. A lot going on in the sports world, obviously. But I was, you know, watching a lot of shit over the weekend. Started watching The Wire, first off, like I said I would. Yep, you know, we were talking about it last episode, was it? How I wanted to start The Wire, being that I've seen a lot of the greater shows of all time that people consider. I've seen Breaking Bad, Sopranos, Game of Thrones. The Wire is one of the few I didn't check out, and I finally started that. I'm on episode 7, I think. A couple minutes in. It's starting to rain as I'm recording. If that's not a sign of something, I don't know what is. The whole episode was an hour, and I freaking had it on mute. But The Wire's been good. It's good. I like it so far. I'm finally starting to remember the characters' names because there's a big cast. A lot of people. But, you know, I'm at that point where, okay, I know who is who. I have an idea of the plot. Hopefully it starts picking up more and more. But it's been solid so far. I like it. It's a very cool show. I'm into it. Um... 
Yeah. UFC 264. So this is episode 264 of the podcast. But, you know, funnily enough, UFC 264 this weekend. It was good. It was friggin' good. Um, you know, you had... Uh, this stuff was so friggin' fun. It is really fun. This is by far my favorite sport to watch. It's become my favorite thing in the world to watch. Even the early prelims on this card were fun. This card had so much hype. And it was good. It lived up to the hype. It, uh, I still think 259 was the greatest card of the year so far. And maybe one, there's another card I liked. But this was good. Don't get me wrong. This was a great card. Even the early prelims, like I said, were good. The first fight of the night was fun. Dude won with a standing guillotine. For his first UFC win, I believe. Uh, you had Carlos Condit. I think he was the last one on the early prelim card. This guy's been around forever. Since 06, I believe. He's got 32 wins in MMA. He took the loss, unfortunately. But he's a guy who's been steady throughout his career. He's had a good, solid MMA career. Ryan Hall fought in the prelims. He lost two. Didn't look good. Looked like somebody who just took a grappling seminar and it just was just breakdancing out there. Didn't know what he was doing. Um, but good prelims. Then, then we got to the main card, which was great. The first fight on the main card, you had O'Malley versus Matino. O'Malley took that win. This Motino kid obviously filling in for the kid who was scratched. Um, this guy's new to UFC. It was his first UFC fight. It was an awesome fight. And, and everybody knew Sean was going to win heading into the fight. And everybody knew he had the win in the bag during the fight. But it was still an excellent watch. O'Malley just threw the kitchen sink at Motino. But Motino stayed strong and he lasted almost three rounds, almost all three rounds until Herb Dean had to stop it with 26 seconds left. I would have liked him to, to just let it go because the way this kid was just taking shots to the chin, he's got a chin. It was fun to watch. This kid's a hell of a fighter. He's tough as nails. Nobody knew who he was, just some... some Rando coming out off the street. And he goes in there and he lasts three rounds with one of the more unique up-and-coming fighters in O'Malley. Made a joke on Twitter. Give this guy Tony, Tony Ferguson next. I mean, seriously. Talk about tough. Good for him. People are calling him the, the green zombie. You got the Korean zombie with this kid's going to be the green zombie. Hey, man, it was fun. For a fight that everybody knew O'Malley was taking, it was still fun. It was still fun because this guy was putting on a show. And then they got the 75K bonus after that, which was nice. I think that was from the, the performance of the night, too. Um, Yana versus Aldana. Woman's bantamweight. 
Irene nails the left hook. That puts Yana down. Then she just suffocated her for the early stoppage first round. And that was it. That was it for, for that one. You know, there was all that talk about Irene Aldana. Coming off the loss to Holly. Back in October. I remember watching that fight. Um, came in three and a half pounds overweight. So she didn't make weight. They get, you get deduction from your pay if you don't make weight. So there's some drama going on. Ish, you know, this, that. But she took the win. She got the knockout. And now she's right back in the title race. In the bantamweight division. Currently fourth. Then you got to the Greg Hardy fight. Which, by the way, if everybody's going to hate on Conor McGregor for saying mean things. Hopefully you bring that same energy from for when Greg Hardy takes the canvas. So I hope you're not standing on your moral ground contradicting yourself. Greg Hardy versus Ty Tuivasa. Heavyweight battle. And uh, it was... It lasted not even around. It was like maybe a minute and change. <laughs> Ty sends Greg Hardy to the canvas with a powerful left. Hardy gets up, charges at him. Ty hits him again with another one. Knocks him down slowly. Jumps on him. Boom. Knockout. First round finish. One minute in. Ty celebrates doing his thing. The shoeies. Chugging from people's shoes again. The most disgusting yet somewhat oddly entertaining thing in the world. Especially during a time like this. That was that. He's a fun guy to watch. I've, I've watched him fight before. Greg Hardy now coming off two losses in a row. People are starting to question his MMA career. I don't know. Different when somebody hits back, isn't it, Greg? Co-main, Wonder Boy, Thompson versus Burns. A lot of people expected Wonder Boy to pull this one off. He was the heavy favorite. I thought it was a little weird, but you know, Wonder Boy coming in as the favorite, one step closer to a title opportunity. Burns coming off a knockout loss to the current champ in that division, Kamaru Usman. Uh, not a ton happened in this fight. It went to decision. You know, first round, you had Burns trying to get Wonder Boy into grapple with a clinch. So we had him in a clinch for the majority of the round. Then the end of the round, Wonder Boy finally lands a punch, sends Burns down. But clock runs out. Second round comes, Burn gets a few takedowns. Burns gets a few takedowns. Doesn't do much while he's there. But it was good. It was classic striker versus grappler. They were saying that Burns tied his most takedowns in a fight this this uh this fight. Uh third round comes, Burn you know, Burns just does just enough. Uh, to get the win. 
by unanimous decision. I think it was 29-28. All three judges go 10-9, 9-10, 10-9, Burns, Thompson, Burns. Um, but a lot of people actually thought Wonder Boy took the win. They thought he should have had that win. They, should, uh, they People thought that Burns was getting away with a lot of those illegal punches to the back of Thompson's head. Which I gotta go back and watch because I didn't... I don't know, maybe I was just too busy talking to my buddy. I was down the street and my buddy's watching this. I had to go back and watch to see what people are referring to. But apparently he was throwing illegal punches. Um, but he did, he did get the win, whether or not you like that. And now you're thinking, who's next for Gilbert? It's most likely going to be Kobe versus Usman, right? Since Kobe's number one in that division for the welterweight. Usman's going to defend the belt. But Burns, um, I think, was calling out it was Nate Diaz. He was also calling out Leon Edwards. Who I think is second or third in welterweight. Um, maybe even uh, Jorge Masvidal. You know, it's not going to be a title shot yet for Burns because he just came off that loss to Usman. But he's back in the wing column and he's getting closer. So his next fight, I want to say it's going to be one of those three guys. Either Diaz, Masvidal, or Edwards. So we'll see what happens there. But that was the co-main. Not a ton happened. But then you got to the main event, man. The most hyped up trilogy of all time. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Three. You know, Connor, obviously, a lot of people thought he was forced on the trash talk this time around, right? The second time they fought, you had nice guy Connor. This time, it, it kind of seemed like he didn't want to be nice guy again, so he kind of forced it. And he, he got a little dark with the trash talk. He was calling out his wife. He was saying how he's going to murder Dustin in the ring, um, in the octagon. But, you know, Connor's Connor. Connor's going to talk. You either like it, you hate it. There's no changing your mind if you don't like him. And there's no changing your mind if you do like him. Right? He's one of those guys. He's a villain of the sport. You hate him if you don't like him. So, Dick came back to haunt him in the end. Uh, he was saying how he's going to, you know, leave Dustin in a stretcher by the end of the match. But he ends up leaving in a stretcher. First round, though. It was a first round finish. Starts off, Connor throwing a few spinning roundhouse kicks. Missed, missed a few of them. But then he starts landing a bunch of bunch of those leg kicks. So getting getting Poirier back with the calf kicks. Like last time out when, when Dustin was doing it to Connor. Connor was landing a few leg kicks. Poirier lands a hard right. They trade punches for a bit. Dustin goes for a takedown. Connor attempts a guillotine. Dustin escapes the guillotine. Connor goes full guard. Dustin attacks him with a number of elbows. A few punches in there. 
eventually both back up on their feet, but then Dustin hits a hard right on Connor, goes for the finish. Connor falls back, the ankle snaps, round over, fight over. Stoppage. Dr. Stoppage. It sucks. Listen, listen. You can hate Conor McGregor as a fighter. You can hate everything about him. You can hate the trash talk, the arrogance, the way he goes about himself and how poor of a sport he can be. You can hate all that. I understand it. I choose to not hate that, but I get it. I totally get it. One of my uncles cannot stand the guy. I get it. But... I saw a man snap his ankle last night, break his leg, and it reminded me of Silva, infamous for for that. I'm not rooting for that. I'm not rooting for another man to snap his ankle. As, As mean and as dark as some of the things he said were, I don't root for other human beings to break their bones. There's a line for me, right? Even in fighting, there's a line I draw. I'm not getting happy because another human being broke their friggin' leg. That's just my opinion. You don't have to you don't have to agree. But me personally, I don't like seeing other human beings break their legs. That's just me. And so that happened. And he's on the ground and Rogan's interviewing him and he's still talking trash. And he's emotional. He's very emotional. You can see he's pissed off. He's he's upset. Rogan's doing the interview first with Dustin. Dustin's saying, oh, go talk to Connor. Go talk to Connor. See what he has to say. So after the interview, Rogan goes down to the ground, interviews Connor. That's when Connor gets emotional. He just starts yapping his mouth. And he's angry. He's pissed off. He, you know, if I snap my leg, I'd be saying some dumb shit too. And um, that was that. He ends up leaving on a stretcher. Call it karma. But I don't root for another man to break his leg. That's not where I go. Um, it was just, it was it was sad to me. As a Connor fan. Oh, you're just saying this because you're a Connor fan? No, I don't like when human beings break their friggin' bones. <laughs> what the fuck? Where does he go from here, though? Where does Connor McGregor go from here? Does he retire? I think you retire. I really think you do. I think you're 32 years old. You haven't been much active in the last several years, right? The only win you have in the last couple of years, has been against Cowboy Cerrone, who's at the end of his tail. So it's hard to count that. You look bad. You look pretty gassed. You look slower. You don't look like the same guy you were. You're not as hungry. He even admitted that pre-fight. I just don't think it's it anymore for him. I think this is the perfect spot to do it. I think you have... Obviously, you've got all the money in the world. You're the highest paid athlete. You make money off these endorsements. You make money off the fights, selling the fights with what you do with your mouth. And you've got a legacy. You've got, you're one of the top 20 fighters of all time. 
so you hanging up here. Yeah, it's a disappointing last couple of years for you. But hanging up before it gets worse because I just think Connor's ego, he's going to keep wanting more and more. And even he was saying how he wants he wants Dustin again. Dana White said it in the presser that he's going to line up a Connor Dustin fourth one. I don't know if that's a great idea. I think if Connor was to come back, you give him somebody like Nate Diaz. And, and you just call it quits with, with the whole Connor fighting top notch guys anymore. I think if he's going to come back, Lord knows how long that'll be. I think he said six months he wants to be back on, on Twitter earlier. But who knows? I think if he is to come back and not retire, you give him guys who are at the end of their run too. You get him not, not, not necessarily at the end, but guys who aren't at the top of their class anymore. I, I think Connor has to admit that to himself first. But he's not that guy anymore. So, yeah, it sucks. Um, you know, I was hoping the fight would, would... It could have ended in the first round, but just the way it ended to see that happen. You know, some people were saying that Dustin checked him. But I don't know. Whether or not you think Dustin did that, he kind of pointed it out during the fight or not. I still think it looked like Dustin was kind of getting momentum towards the end. It kind of looked like regardless of what you thought of how Connor's ankle broke or his leg broke, whatever he broke, fibula, that Dustin was going to knock him out eventually. I think it looked pretty bad for Connor. He nailed a couple, you know, a couple good punches, but and, and some kicks, but towards the end of that first, I'd say the last minute or so, Dustin was definitely taking that momentum. And that was that. So, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get a fourth one. I mean, Dana wants it because of the money, obviously. It's going to bring in the revenue, but best case, I mean, I, if I'm somebody who's looking out for Connor, I, I say you retire, hang up the gloves and call yourselves, call, call yourself a legend. Just end it there. You have a legacy, you've got money, you're set. <clears throat> Excuse me. For Dustin, I mean, that's obvious. He, he's going to get Charles Dubronx Oliveira for the uh, the lightweight title bout next. That's the obvious one. So that's going to happen over time. I think Dubronx will win that fight. Uh, Dustin's been great, but Oliveira is something else. He's good. The guy wins. But overall, it was a great time. It was another strong card. It just ended in a very unfortunate manner. Um, just some good fights all around the whole card. And we've got some good fights coming up the rest of the summer. The rest of the year, even. The fight night next week, you've got Islam back in the main event. You've got friggin' uh, Misha Tate in the co-main. Fighting against Renew. Misha's 34 years old. Chick she's fighting is 44. 
First time I'll be watching Misha live. Big fan of Misha Tate. She's great. That's going to be fun to watch. So that's the co-main. Uh, Benitez is on that card. Then the fight night two weeks from now. Corey Sanhagen versus Dillashaw for the main event. After that, you've got one more fight night. And then you get to UFC 265 on the 7th of August. Where Amanda Nunes returns. Probably going to beat Pena for the women's bantamweight. And Amanda's got like four different weight class titles. It's crazy. So Amanda will be back. And if Amanda wins, when she wins, we need to see it, man. We need to see the trilogy between her and Valentina Shevchenko. We need to see the Nunez-Shevchenko trilogy. It's the money fight. I don't understand why it won't happen. But my buddy was telling me this is never going to happen. I would like to see it happen. Amanda's a monster. She's the greatest fighter of all time in the women's MMA. But she doesn't have anything left. What else does she have? Once, If she beats Pena, what else does she have left? Who does she have? That's the toughest competition she'll get. Shevchenko. Has Shevchenko beat her? Has she? I think she may have once. I don't know. I have to check. Amanda doesn't have Amanda doesn't have too many losses. Maybe four. I don't know off the top of my head. I gotta look at the rankings and stuff, but or her stats. But I think that's the fight you go if she wins. But that's two sixty five. Um, Amanda Pena is the co-main. The main event is Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gain for the heavyweight battle. Jose Aldo is on that card. Vincente Luque is on that card. Tisha Torres. I remember her from fighting against uh, Rose Namahunas. October 9th, fight night. You have Mackenzie Dern returning to the octagon. Fighting against Rodriguez in the main event. She's also pretty good. Mackenzie's fun to watch. She's good. So it's pretty damn good for a fight night main event. Then uh, UFC 266, a pay-per-view, two pay-per-views from now. They're uh, lining up Nick Diaz for that one. They're lining up Nick Diaz. I've seen Nate. The first time I saw Nate was last time out. When he lost to Leon Edwards. But man, I gained so much respect for him watching that fight. This is going to be the first time I've seen Nick. And he's lining up against Lawler for the trilogy of that one. So that's going to be fun. I hear Nick is even better. Of a fighter. <clears throat> so that's going to be 266. Not official yet, but I think that's what they're planning on doing. Dana White said... So it was a good overall Saturday night last night. I just wish it ended a little bit different. Not even talking about the result, but just the way it ended. I don't like seeing an injury like that. Injuries happen, but gruesome injuries like that, vile. 
injuries like that. Hard to watch. Whether you like the guy or not. Let's head to break. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You're listening to 264, episode 264 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that right now. Excuse me. You can download the podcast, subscribe to it, share the podcast, rate and review us, leave us a comment. Watch the podcast on YouTube or listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Just said YouTube. You can watch us. Many more platforms. Yankees episodes every series. Knicks every two games when they are in season. So the podcast, the blog, I write recaps every game. Yankees and Knicks. And my social media. All that stuff is on my link tree. So go to my link tree. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That'll take you to my link tree, which will display all the links to those platforms I just read to you. So let's head to break. When we get back, we'll talk about the Euros. Talk some of the finals, the NBA finals. Game three was tonight. And then we'll get to the amazing New York Yankees. We'll talk about the series against the Astros. We'll go over the first or the, the pre All Star break progress report. And that'll be that. We'll get to the NYYMYK question of the day. And we'll wrap it up from there. All right. So. Again, I'm your host, RJ Carbone, Ep 264 of BD4. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. We'll be right listening back. to RJ Carbone on BD4. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do that right now. BD4 is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and you can also watch it on YouTube. There are plenty of other platforms to find this podcast. All you have to do is go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to where you need to be. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone in order to subscribe to this I may have podcast. brought it up before. But it was like back in 06 or 08, I forget, when Italia was in the World Cup. And they were playing against France. I live in a pretty Italian-American oriented neighborhood. A few guys on my street are off the boat. But this one old man in particular, just your classic off-the-boat Italian guy. Big soccer fan. Big fan of Italy National Club. And I remember they won the World Cup that year. I think we rang his doorbell and he answered. We were just like, you know, celebrating with him. And then my, this was my cousin, my siblings and I. Then we drove around town with the Italian flag, hanging out the Jeep, riding around with it. It was such a fun time. 
that was the World Cup a few years, uh, many years ago, back in my day. Um, but the Euro Cup ended today, Sunday, as I'm speaking. Yeah, Italia, the dark horse all the way through. They get the win, though, against England. And England was the favorite heading in. They were the home team. Good good squad. I don't know shit about soccer, but <laughs> I do like watching it when one of my teams are in it. You know, if Italy's in it or if USA obviously is in it, I'm going to watch it. So I had the whole thing on today during the Yankees game on the other screen. I have two screens because I'm a millennial and I like that shit. But yeah, it was fun. England scores early. They, they, they uh, Who was it? Luke Shaw gets the first goal like two minutes in. And then it gets very defensive. Then England gets very defensive. They, they stop attacking. They're not as aggressive. And that might be, that might be, that was to their own fault. Because you had Bonucci score in the 67th. So it's a tie game 67 minutes in. One to one. Goes to extra time. Six minutes. Nothing. Overtime. Two periods of overtime. Nothing. So then we get to the PKs. And this is where it got interesting. It got clutch as hell. It got very fun. Because you had... Well, Italia pulled away. I'll tell you that. But you, know, you have five and five, right? It's a five kick thing. So Berardi up first for Italia. He scores. Then you've got Kane. He evens it up one to one in the PKs. Then you have Belotti. His kick is saved. Then Maguire lines it in the top corner. England has a 2-1 to lead. Bonucci up next for the Azori. He scores to even it at 2. Then Rashford for England. He hits the post. That dude's going to think about that forever. He hits the post. And that was kind of the bad omen for England. Because they didn't score again since. Bernadeschi. Sends one down the middle for Italy. 3-2. to two. They take the lead. Sanko, I think his name is, for England. Has it saved. Jorginho. Strikes. But his was saved. But then England up again. Nope. Kick saved. Italia wins. Forza Azzurri. I tell you what, man, I'm so used to Gigi Buffon that I was nervous. I had no idea about this kid. But this kid, uh, what's his name? Donnarumma? Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's good. He was clutch. It started out a little rough for him. Nervous, but the last three kicks, one hit the post and the last two he saved. Clutch performance from Donnarumma. I loved it. So it's not coming home, but it's coming Rome. And uh, it was good for Italia to pick up the win. Loved seeing what I saw. Just an awesome moment, man. Um, it was in London, so... Didn't get to celebrate in front of thousands and thousands of Italians, but... Man, it was fun. And good for... What's his name? Collini? Who's the 36-year-old captain of the Azuri? So he's probably done. And that was probably the way he wants to go out, I would imagine. 
So Italy takes the Euro Cup and that's that. Pretty fun. That was the first game, unfortunately, that I got to watch because a lot of their games was during my work hours. But it was fun. I had it on. I watched the whole thing. I ended up having to go. Like, so I watched some of it in my studio. But then my brother came downstairs from his room. And he was watching it in the, in the living room. And he's a little ahead of me. Because I was watching mine on an app. You know, streaming services are usually a bit delayed. So then I heard him celebrating. I'm like, oh, shit on this. I got to go up up there and watch it with him. I can't know what happens. So I go upstairs and we watch it all together. And yeah, it was fun. So that that was the uh, the Euro Cup. That was the Euros. The Euros are over. And uh, a few hours later, the NBA Finals came on and I watched that. The Bucks took Game 3, which I'm thankful about. I want Phoenix to win it, but I don't want it to be a blowout of a series. I want it to be close. So Milwaukee kind of, you know, made it closer. Now it's 2-1. to one, And they're home again, so they have a little bit of an advantage going into the next game. Some momentum. But um, Giannis, once again, throwing the kitchen sink at Phoenix. Didn't he drop over 40 last game, too? In game two, he did? Well, tonight he goes for 41 more points. 13 rebounds and 6 assists. He's on fire. They can't figure out a way to stop him. They got to just start trapping him every time he, every time he gets a touch. I would just send help and trap him. If I'm Phoenix. Um but yeah, he, he was he's been too much for them. Chris Paul was pretty good. DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder even. They showed up. But Devin Booker had just 10 points and that's not going to cut it. You need your star player to do better than 10 points. He was 3 for 14, 1 for 7 from the arc. Not going to cut it. So uh, Phoenix wants to bounce back. they got to get a better performance from Devin Booker. Um, And that was that. Game 3 in the books, 2-1, to one, going back to Milwaukee again, I think on Tuesday. So the Suns... Uh, you know, it's going to be, it's tough to go up 3 nothing. So I don't think they should be too upset at themselves. In a finals, it's going to be tough to go 3-0. So it was bound to happen. I, I think if they can take that game four before heading back home, that's the perfect scenario for them. But we'll see what happens. All right, let's head to break again. When we get back, we'll talk about the Yankees. Go over the series, the progress report, and we'll wrap it up from there. Because I just don't want to talk about that much. <laughs> Be right back. You can follow me on Facebook at r.j.carbone. You can follow me on Instagram at robjcarbone. And you can follow me on Twitter at nysportstalkrc. And if you want to follow along with the blog that I write, subscribe to It's My Opinion on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com So, the Yankees. Yep. I know. Um, 
They're just boring, man. I, you know, they head to Houston for the first time since the ALCS in 2019. Looks like they're getting something together, I guess. If you're an optimistic fan, I guess you thought that. Um, they take the first game for nothing. So, Jake Odorizzi on the mound for Houston. Nestor Cortez Jr. for the Yankees. Fourth inning. Yankees won this game off a pair of doubles. Yeah, the fourth inning, Brett Gardner doubles to right field off of Jake Odorizzi. Seventh inning comes off of a Brayu. DJ goes down the left field line, two RBI double. So, a pair of two-run doubles. Gives them four runs. And they win 4 nothing. 12 hits, 1 walk, 6 Ks. So you had a lot of action offensively. DJ, Judge, Torres, Gio, all two hit games. But even, uh, I think, all but one Yankee and Stanton had reached base. So you had a lot of opportunities, but you only scored four runs because uh, you hit into two double plays. And you were just 2 for 9 with runners in scoring position. But you did win because you got some good performances from your arms. And Nestor Cortez got the start. And you went 4.2 shutout. Handed it to Licky, Green, and Lasagna from there. And so collectively, the Yankee arms, three hit the Astros. Cortez doing as usual. That wiffle ball, wiffle ball approach he has. Fucking, you know, crafty lefty. Just a junk baller. And he does it again. So he's got the ERA all the way down to 1.05. And that's across 25.2 innings. Um, It's a bit scary that Nestor Cortez is our number five pitcher considering we're the team with, you know, a $200 million payroll. Because he's not going to have a 1.05 ERA forever. Eventually he's going to be who he is. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> but yeah, we do take game one. It was nice. Game two comes along. And we win that one too. This, not much happened. Not much happened. Um, one nothing victory. Garrett Cole versus Zach Ranke. Third inning, Aaron Judge gets a solo bomb and that's it. Cole cruises through it. A masterful performance. Tosses 129 pitches. Gets the complete game shutout against his old team in the Astros. That felt amazing. The best part of this, maybe even the best part of the first half. Or first half. Pre-All-Star break. Is Aaron Boone comes out with two outs in the ninth. I don't think he was coming out to yank him. Because he wasn't signaling right away. But he was at least coming out to see if he wanted to take him out. And, and Garrett Cole was livid. He said after the game he was yelling a bunch of expletives in, in Boone's face. And you could see it. Watching it live. You loved it. I loved it. And I think, you know, every once in a while you need to see something like this. Especially for a team struggling all year like the New York Yankees have been. You want to see emotion like this from your ace. You want to see something out of the norm. That's what I've been talking about. Give us something out of the norm all year. 
some kind of somebody needs to show some anger, and that was that was exactly what we got in game two. Garrett Cole telling him, "Let me finish this," and he finished it. He, he threw 130 pitches. I'm sure the Yankee analytic Ivy League department was having a stroke seeing that. But we are going into All Star break. This is your 30 million dollar per year guy. Let him throw the bullets. So that felt amazing. It felt like, wow, this is something. This could be something we build off of, right? If you're a positive fan, you were probably thinking that. Then we get to game three. (laughs) Then we get to game three. The Yankees end up losing this eight to seven. Jamison Tyone versus Valdez. Um, off Valdez in the third. We score a run off an error, of course. It's Sanchez coming home. Because why wouldn't we, right? We're the Yankees. We score off of errors, wild pitches, and shit like that. That's all we do. In balks. So we take the one nothing lead there. Third inning comes. Jamison Tyone goes high fastball to Maldonado, but he... Takes advantage of it. Ties it up. Home run. One-to-one tie game. LaCastro, who's been good for the Yankees so far. He goes yard. Off Valdez in the fourth. Two-to-one Yankees. Fifth inning comes. It's three-to-one Yankees. Torres, ribby single. Sixth inning comes. Tyone hangs a slider. Tucker homers off of it. 3-2. 7th inning, Gio Urshela and RBI base hit. Makes it 4-2 Yankees. Okay. And then we get the, the nice, you know, what we thought was the icing on the cake at the time. Gary Sanchez. In the 8th inning, a 3-run bomb, right? Maybe some breathing room. 7-2 Yankees. Ninth inning comes. This is where I had an issue. So Domingo comes in. He struggles. Guriel gets an infield single off of him. Tucker doubles. So it's first and third. Nobody out. Then Domingo is pulled. Then Chad Green comes in. He struggles. He's throwing nothing but breaking balls out there. Two consecutive RBI doubles to McCormick and Toro. It's 7-5. to five. Castro then singles, first and third, nobody out. Finally then gets an out, but it's a friggin' line out. Then Jose Altuve comes to the plate, representing the, the leading, the winning run. And he does what's been in the script ever since 2017. He goes yard. Of course he does. Of course he does. And we were saying, of course he does, back when we played the Astros and he did the same thing earlier in the year. Because this is what it's going to be. This is in the baseball script. The gods have put this in already. It was supposed to happen. That's how I look at it. And of course he has to rip his jersey off to mock Aaron Judge for mocking him initially. And so the night after Cole has that masterful gem, it's all washed away with with what Altuve just did to Chad Green. But what I couldn't understand... Is if we have demoted Araldis Chapman rightfully from closer to, you know, whatever. Why isn't he in this game? 
if he's no longer going to be in save scenarios for us right now, he should have been in the 7-2 game. Domingo Herman should not have been back out there in the ninth. That should have been Chapman. A 7-2 game in the ninth inning is the perfect time for Chapman to come in and keep continuing to work on getting that confidence back. That's Chapman's time. For where he is right now, trying to get that confidence level back up, that's when you put him in. If he's not closing for you in safe scenarios, this is the opportunity to do it. But Aaron Boone doesn't do that. He goes to Mingle Herman. Herman doesn't have it, so he goes to Green. Now, I don't have an issue going to Green because Green's been fantastic. And it was a tighter game once Green came in the game. And I don't want Chapman in a tight game, but that's why he should have been in before Herman came in. But he kept Herman in instead of going to Chapman in the ninth. That's where I had an issue. But it's Aaron Boone. I'm not shocked. This is what this guy does. I don't know why he continues to get excuses from certain people in the media, but he does. And the Yankees lose again at the hands of Aaron Boone's Yankees uh, decisions. Yeah, that's that. That is that. What else is there to say? I'm tired of Aaron Boone. He should be fired, but he's not going to be fired because the Yankees don't do things that way. Not anymore. Hal made it known that they're not going to knee-jerk react to anything, but that's not a knee-jerk reaction. This guy's been bad since he's came here, and if something's bad, you change it. Eight hits, 14 free and walks, 3 for 16 scoring position, 12 strikeouts, so... Not a great offensive performance despite scoring a lot of runs. We had some issues. But it, it came down to Aaron Boone not, 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 not getting it done. And Domingo Herman being awful again. By the way, what is wrong with Domingo Herman lately? Jesus Christ. Starter, bullpen, he's not getting the jobs done. And also, Aaron Judge should probably stop getting cute. The boombox thing bit you in the ass against Boston a few years back. And now you're going to go out and do the thing where you, you pull your jersey, mocking Altuve. They asked you about it in the post game. You said, oh, it's a little chilly in Houston. <laughs> and then they had Odor starting to put jackets on guys after they hit home runs today. Oh, these guys are such clowns, man. Who are you to, to act like this, man? I know you're trying to have fun. I get it. But you're a barely 500 team. And the way it bit you in the ass. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, you had Yankees fans chanting F. Altuve in the first time they met. Altuve shuts them up with the homer. Then you have this happen. Altuve shuts the Yankees up with the homer. It's just, it's perfectly in the script. It's in the cards. It was in the cards from the start. It's like this team should just shut their mouth and start winning games. But they're not doing that. No. And I said, remember I said, during the Philly series, way back I said, the next 25 games between now until a break, the Yankees have themselves a decision to make. They have a goal. And my goal was for them to go 17-8 and eight before the break. And if they can do that, they can say they're going to be buyers. But if they can't go 17-8, and eight, they have to become sellers. Well, those 25 games have passed, and I can tell you they have not gone 17-8. and eight. What have they done in those 25 games since I said that? 
They've gone 13 and 12. And so that's the issue with, with all these people saying, hey, they took two out of three. Hey, they took two out of three. No, we're at a point where we're barely above 500. We're in fourth place where two out of three, two out of three, two out of three is no longer enough. We are at a point where we need to start dominating. We need to start taking series and no longer settling because we've put ourselves in this situation. It sounds like a harsh standard, but because of the situation we're in that we put the, our own selves into, we have to start streaking seven or eight in a row now. And that ain't happening. This team doesn't have it. I told you that. I've been saying that. You call me negative for it, but hey, that's the truth. And that's what I spit. We're going to head to break. When we get back, we'll go over the progress report and we will end it there. Be right back. It is thundering here, man. It's late and it's thundering. It's almost 2 in the morning. I gotta finish this. My laptop's on 10%. Shit. Alright, so progress report. We're gonna breeze through this. I'm sorry. Um, The Yankees as a unit. Now remember, this. This the way this goes is I grade the lineup, the bullpen, the rotation. The lineup I do individually. Bullpen and rotation I do as a unit. And then we grade the Yankees as an entire team to their own expectations. Remember, that's that's the key. This is to their expectations. So as a unit, I gave the Yankees a D slash F. You can give it whatever you want. I'll call it a D because I'm in a good mood tonight. Gary Sanchez will start behind the plate. I gave him a B minus. B minus. He's hitting 217. The OPS 785. 15 home runs, 35 RBIs. He's having himself a good year. Now, he's having himself for a catcher, a good year. A good year for a catcher. There's a difference. 217 hurts me. Like something about good and 217 doesn't go good together. Um, but I get it. I get it. The OPS, the OPS. Um, be modest. I, I think that's fair. Voight. I gave Luke Voigt a C. Um, yeah, you know, he's been bleh. 241 average, 698 OPS. He's had some good moments. He's been hot lately, better lately. He's had some bad moments. DJ LeMayu go to second base now. C+. Plus. He's hitting 270 with a 718 OPS. You can give him a B- minus if you'd like. I got C+. Plus. Um, you can give him a B- minus because he's playing good defense. Glaber Torres, I have a D. He's hitting 240. And he's betting a 634 OPS. He's not playing good shortstop. In fact, I think the best defensive alignment for the Yankees should be Glaber at second, Geo at shortstop, DJ at third. Even Glaber, when he's going, he still doesn't have power. His best moments this year have been 
getting a bunch of base hits. The power is completely gone, and it's sad. Going over to third base. Third base, Gio Urshela. I have him as a B. He's having a solid year. 275, 756. And he plays great defense. Aaron Judge. I have Aaron Judge A-. The highest grade on the team. He's hitting 282 with a 901 OPS and has 21 home runs. He's having a great season. He's staying healthy. He's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. He's getting on base with walks. And he's playing good defense in right field. And he's played some center field this year and done a nice job. Giancarlo Stanton, I have a B-. Um, he's been hurt a bunch. When he's on the field, he's been pretty good. Not Stanton-like, but he's been pretty good. 278, 48. 15 homers. Brett Gardner, a D minus. He's batting a buck ninety-four with a six fourteen OPS. He has the defense working for him, and that's about it. And he'll work the count. Clint Frazier, he's on the DL right now. I have at F speaks for itself. Miggy, a D. He's hitting two fifty-three, six sixty-seven OPS. He's also on the DL. Miggy, Clint, Michael King. And Lasagna, all on the disabled list right now. Lasagna is on the COVID list. Um, rotation, I gave a C. The bullpen, I gave a B. And that's that. We're going to head to break. My laptop's about to die, so we're going to finish this up. When we get back, we'll get to the question of the day. All right, so last time out, I'm trying to finish this before it dies. Um, last time out, I asked you guys, in 1984, Don Mattingly won the American League batting title, but the runner-up was also a Yankee. Who was the runner-up? Dave Winfield is the answer to that. He was the runner-up to Mattingly in the American League. Mattingly, 343. Winfield batted 340. This episode, for episode 264, our NYY NYK question of the day, true or false, Babe Ruth holds the all-time Yankees record for most extra base hits. True or false? Let me know the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I gotta go. My laptop's about to die on me. Don't want to have to re-record a third time. So thank you. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You're listening to 264 of BD4. I'll catch you after the All-Star break. Ciao.